0: Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Let's try that again. Praise the Lord. It's good to be with God's people, and uh, especially when he took the offering, I felt like I don't even have to speak now. That's the, that's the first time I was ever paid before work. I'm just kidding. Uh, a lot of young people, I don't know if I've shared this with you, I saw a lot of young people, the guy, there was a guy with a Star Wars t-shirt, where is he, is he here? Yeah, I saw some of these guys over there, so I thought, I don't know if I've shared this, but I'll share this with you. It's not in my notes, so if you're going to be here till 5 o'clock, it's his fault. (laughs) Uh, Many years ago, I was flying uh, from Atlanta to Pittsburgh, and uh, the reason I'm sharing this just to the young people, they want to know who this crazy missionary is, so... You know most I don't know I can't speak on behalf of Americans but I can speak on behalf of Indians we Indians are very humble people when we are given an economy ticket to fly anywhere by that I mean who wants to ride right economy for six hours eight hours so when the ministry buys the economy ticket we are very humble but I've got almost three million miles with Delta So if you fly a lot, when you come to the gate, most of the time they just say, go in. So it's it's a sad day for us. But sometimes you hear this sound. That's a good sound. That means your seat's been changed to first class. Then we become Mr. Snob. (laughs) There is no humility left. I'm not speaking on behalf of Americans. I'm just talking about Indians. So, I'm in the plane sitting on 1B, Now that's first class, and I love it. They take your jacket for you, they put your bag up, uh, especially if strong men is in the flight taking care of you. So, I was sitting, and of course, we are the first to board. They got 200 more people to board in the plane, We're going to Pittsburgh. As soon as I sat, I didn't even put my seatbelt on. The guy on the 1A said, How do you like my headphones? Never met him. I wasn't even supposed to sit next to him. I was in twenty-three A. So I said, Nice headphones. I looked at it, it's S-U-R-E, sure. I said, They're good phones. He said, How much do you think they're worth? I said, about five hundred dollars. I could tell the guy was offended. He says, no, this is over $1,000. This is molded just for my ear. Great. (laughs) And then he said, how do you like my watch? I'm not making this up. This is true. He said, how do you like my watch? I said, in my own spirit, I said, the guy doesn't even know me. Maybe I think I have something on my forehead that says I'm friendly. (laughs) So he said, uh, I looked at it. IWC, I've seen it on Sky Mall magazine. And I said, Well, he said, How much do you think this is worth? I said, Five thousand dollars. He looked at me and he said, I bought this in Paris for eleven thousand. I'm sorry, I just guessed five thousand. And before he could ask me the third question, I asked him a question. He said, What do you do for a living? He said, I'm the VP for ESPN, I'm going to see the Pittsburgh football game, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he wants to know what I do for a living. And I knew his, the way he asked, he thought this is one of those smart Indians that work with the, uh, the web, the IT world. Uh, the doctor, uh, the engineer, this is not one of that guy. I'm a 10th flunk. Uh, I said, well, sir, I'm an international professional beggar. (laughs) This guy was an African-American brother. He turned white. He says, what did you say? I said, yeah, I'm the international professional beggar. I beg for those children who cannot beg for themselves. We take care of children around the world, raise them to be heirs for Christ. i tell you the best part. He pulled out enough money to support six children cash for entire year. And he says, I'm giving you cash, so I don't need for you to write to me again so that thank you for the support. And <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, you know what? That's not bad for begging. <laughs> so young people, that's what I do for a living. So if you, if you wonder what this guy does. I come from a very small country, one third in the size of United States of America, four times in its population, bigger in its population. 1.4 billion people live in India. Dr. Steve, um, many years ago when I was preaching at First Baptist Knoxville, uh, I was sitting with the pastor, he's now with the Lord, Dr. Ron Herod. Uh, he was sitting with me and uh, that's the first time I've been to that church huge church uh, two balconies and uh, we were sitting together on the stage and he looked at me he says I just want you to know not to uh, make you nervous but everyone you see in that congregation is PhD in nuclear science (laughs) that made me a little nervous boy that's two brilliant people so he says well I forgot to ask you this before service. This is while the choir's singing. So he said, uh, would it be okay if a Chinese missionary that we support that she talks about her missions five minutes from your message time? I said, that's fine. You, you can't say no to the pastor. You know, I almost felt like I was telling him, let me pray about this and see if the Lord leads us to do it. I said, yeah, do it. And she stood and she talked about a lot of things about China. Our closing statement was, God loves Chinese because he made more Chinese. (laughs) I had to follow that statement. I said, well, ladies and gentlemen, God's going to change his mind. By year 2030, India will overtake China's population. 1.4 billion people live in India. And I want to say thanks to Dr. C for the opportunity to come and speak about the work, and also from God's Word at Chester Freedom. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your support for the orphans. Thank you for the hope chest that you provided. And we just thank you for your prayers. One of the stories that I'd like to share with you, if you uh, turn your Bible to Psalms chapter 8, if you have the right Bible, is page 506. 506. But the story is of this nin. this has happened since I was here last. Due to Corona, we couldn't travel. We didn't have any graduation in India. We didn't have any graduation in uh, Nepal. But we had graduation in Burma. So Burma 2021 2021 yeah, uh, just a minute, 2020, we had graduation. 14 students graduated from our Bible college in Burma. Upon graduation, Joseph was one of the pastors. He says, well, i like to serve the Lord in the hardest place, Mr. Thomas. I says, hardest place? You ever been to Burma? Every place is hard. So what do you mean, hardest place? He says I'm choosing a village where there's not one Christian. Now, that's hard. I said, okay. So he writes to me. After graduation, he says, sir, September 2020, he says, I just want you to know that five men have accepted the Lord in this village, and I'm very excited and pray that I would be faithful in discipling them. Praise God. Then he writes to me in the month of February 2021. He says, sir, I want you to know there's five men along with their wives. They have come to accept Christ. Now that is a total of 10 new believers in our village. And they're coming as a family to the church. Pray that God would bless them. And I have a request, Mr. Thomas. Would you come to, the, to Burma and baptize them? That will be an honor for us. I wrote to him, I says, well, I can't come because of the restriction on travel. Why don't you go ahead and baptize all the 10 believers? February 22nd, he baptized 10 believers. March 5th, 2021, all 10 believers were beheaded for their faith in Christ. We don't like that God. I mean, if you like to attend a church where John the Baptist was a member because he was beheaded, we don't want that church. We want a church where Peter was the member because he was gloriously released. I'm here to tell you, he's the God of John the Baptist. He's the God of Peter. His ultimate purpose is that we bring glory to his name. I know one thing ever since this 10 believers gave their life for the Lord. Hope Givers at that time had 41 churches in Burma. Today, we celebrate 118 churches in Burma. To God be all the glory. Blood of the martyrs are the seeds for new churches. Psalms chapter 8 and verse 3. By the way, just to give you background, some of you are looking at your watch. In India, we have a culture, we are finished when we are through. Oh, yeah. That laugh reminded me of Abraham's wife. When he said that she will bear a child, she laughed. I think that was the laugh. Sam, don't joke. (laughs) Verse 3. When I consider thy heavens the work of thy finger, the moon and stars which thou hast ordained, We're talking about the finger of God. As you know, I'm not from this country, but I love the United States of America where men, I mean, men who can afford it, they'd like to buy a Harley Davidson. Did you know, young people, that majority of the people, when I say majority, over 90% of the people who own Harley Davidson in your country, they have... A bell under the gas tank. If you don't believe it, you can look it up later. Don't do it now because that's not an excuse to turn your smartphone. But they have a bell under the gas tank of Harley Davidson. Thank you for asking why you have it. By the way, the one who buys the bike never buys the bell. That's a condition. The bell has to always be given as a gift from a friend who owns the bike. And they keep it under the tank. So I asked this gentleman, I said, is that true? He said, yeah, that's very true. He even had it. Born again, man. I said, why do you keep it? He says, well, Sam, they say that if you have that bell under your gas tank, it'll keep the evil spirit from attacking the Harley Davidson on highway. Wow. Let me tell you, friends, that's nowhere mentioned in the Bible. Some Christians who are superstitious, I'm telling you, whether you like it or not, you're not born again. How about this, Sam? How is the ministry doing? Fingers crossed. We're doing well. Where do you find that in the book of Psalms? That David crossed his fingers. How about this? How is your business, Christian men? Knock on wood. We're doing well. You can't knock on wood because most of them are glass wood or plastic. You have to really find wood now because even the granite on the top of the table is not wood anymore. But Christians do that. That's sickening. Either you trust God or you don't. I'm not here by luck. I'm here by the providence of God. Sovereignty of God brings me here. Don't ever say to each other, oh, cross your fingers. Knock on wood, trust the Bible. He's worthy to be trusted. By the way, members of Chester Freedom, the greatest cult in the world is not Islam. The greatest cult on, the, on this planet is not Hinduism. It's not Buddhism. The greatest cult, you ready for this? The greatest cult is accept Jesus. That's a cult. As long as you accept Christ without repentance, it's a cult. The Bible says repent, then put your faith in God. That's Christianity. But today, a lot of preachers all accept Christ. You know what you do? You accept him as one of the many gods. People back home in India will never have a problem with this ministry as long as they would say that Sam is preaching the gospel that accept Christ as one of the many gods. The problem comes when we preach, there is no name under heaven above the earth whereby men can be saved apart from the name of Christ. Finger of God. Finger of God is seen in the creation. I'm trying to hurry up, trying to finish in the next seven minutes if that's okay. Okay. I'm supposed to be done by 11.30, but too late. (laughs) All right, let's hurry up. Finger of God in creation. The Bible says, David said, Wonderful is your creation, God. I see the finger of God in Psalms chapter 8, verse 3. He sees the finger of God in creation. They tell me that if you count the stars at the rate of 125 stars a minute, it will take you 2,000 years just to count the stars in the Milky Way. They also say that if you would take 10 billion, B for boy, 10 billion human beings standing side by side, that will span the diameter of one average star. That's an amazing God. Look at the creation, the finger of God. Look at the baby when it's conceived in the womb, the finger of God is working. Not only do we see the finger of God in creation, we see the finger of God in calamity. I'm just going to give you the reference. Exodus chapter 8 verse 19. The wizards of Pharaoh came and says, Pharaoh, we can copy just about all the plagues except this one. Because we see the finger of God in this. We cannot duplicate this. Did you know one thing God said to Moses, go and tell Pharaoh 10 times. One thing he said. One thing. Let my people go. That's it. Let my people go. What's profound about that? Thank you for asking. God will never ask you what doesn't belong to him. He didn't say let people go. He says let my people go. Friends, God will never ask you something that he has not already blessed you with. He never asked Abraham to give Isaac without blessing him first with Isaac. <laughs> I have a lot of born-again Christians say, hey, Brother Thomas, pray for us. I love your ministry that we win lottery. I love those brothers and sisters. You know what? I'm preaching 37 years. I've never met one person who loves this ministry, has won a lottery. You know why most. Born again Christians don't win lottery. I'll tell you why. He cannot trust you with it. He's already blessed you without lottery and you're not good steward of what he has blessed you with. God will never ask you something that he has not blessed you with. If you're hesitant in giving something to God that he's already asked you, you better give it to him. Because I know him. He'll take it away from you. Not only do we see the finger of God in creation, we see the finger of God in calamity. We see the finger of God in writing the Ten Commandments. Go home and read Exodus chapter 31 verse 18. And he gave unto Moses the tablets of stone written by the finger of God. God writes the law into our hearts even today. He used his finger to write those laws. Finally, not only do we see the finger of God in creation, we see the finger of God in calamity, we see the finger of God in writing the commandments, we see the finger of God in cleansing the sinner. That is in John chapter 8. When they brought this lady who was caught in the act of adultery, they brought her to the Lord and says, Lord, we want to stone her. The Bible said, Jesus stooped down and start writing with his finger on the sand. To this day, I do not know what he wrote on the sand. But I do know what he said after he wrote what he wrote on the sand. He looked up, if there's anyone among you, let him cast the first stone. Something about Jesus. He's a friend of sinners. God forbid and forgive those churches that do not like to attract sinners anymore. I've been in those churches, believe me. <laughs> Would you allow me to take a few more minutes? Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Steve, I, was, uh, I had my prostate, prostatectomy done And this pastor heard about the surgery I had, and he had the nerve to ask me, would he come in pre-Sunday? Prospectomy was done that same week. So, of course, if you give me that opportunity, I'm coming, even if I have to wear cargo pants. You know why cargo pants? I love those pockets. That's where you put your catheter bag. I I did. I, I went to that church. And I was with a friend of mine, Dr. Steve knows him. I was with a friend of mine who is a doctor, urologist. He was with me from a Catholic background. He comes to, came to church. And after I preached, we went to the fellowship hall. And here was the pastor. And every man in that church supposedly had prostate problem. Everybody got free consultation. You ready for this? That's not the end of the story. I went home. Oh, two weeks later, when I was in the office, I got the ugliest letter I've ever received in my life from the pastor. He says, Sam, your father would be so sorry to know that you are a friend of Catholics. And I cannot believe that you would bring a Catholic to our church. And we want you to know Hope Givers is not invited in our church. So the lady of the office said, you're not going to respond to that. I said, oh yeah, I am. <laughs> In my humble but accurate opinion. I gave her my peace of mind. Him be my peace of mind. I said, sir, I am so sorry to know that the churches today are not welcome, are not open to welcome sinners. You need to have that door shut. One thing, pastor, that Doctor, heard the gospel 45 minutes when I preached that day. I intentionally preached the evangelistic sermon just for him. I say, he heard the gospel because of your church. And if you don't want such kind of people to come and receive the word of God, Sam doesn't want to come. Ever since then, I'm going there every year. (laughs) I love that man now. But I had to let that... (laughs) Love of Christ, pour out a little bit more. Jesus sees every weed as a potential rose, every doubter as a potential believer, every believer as a potential saint. Now as I close, what is this finger of God? Thank you for asking. Is it literally the finger of God? Is that the picture of the Michelangelo that he takes the finger of God and touching the finger of a human? No. What is the finger of God? If you're sure of the Bible, go home and read Luke chapter 11, verse 15. The Pharisees came to the Lord and says, Lord, we know in whose name you're casting this demon. You're casting this demon in the name of Beelzebub. You know what Christ said? This is where the answer is in verse 20. If I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, No doubt the finger of God is come. The finger of God is the Holy Spirit of God. That finger brought you here. That finger is still writing in your hearts his commandments. Several years ago when I was arrested, they put me in a holding cell. (laughs) You know, English is not my first language. So I thought holding cell means you must be in a room holding on to something. No, holding cell is, they keep you there. If they arrested you in the evening, they keep you in that room till the next morning. The chief of police comes and he then sends you into the cell according to the crime you've committed. The crime I committed was preaching the gospel to the orphans. That was the crime. So I'm in the holding cell, pitch dark. I have no idea who's in this room, but I can hear somebody breathing of course. I didn't see anybody home. But it's not home. Is anybody there? Yeah. Two sounds together. They said, oh, don't worry about us. We, they caught us. We were driving under the influence. Don't worry about us. We'll be out. Our boss will come and he'll bail us out. I could tell they've been there before. This was my first time. So as we were talking, they're dragging a person into, the, we don't know where this person is going. So they're just dragging her. She is screaming from the top of her lungs, and they're just dragging her, and guess what? They're right in front of our door. They opened the door from outside, they shoved this lady in. Now it's three men and this lady. We don't know who she is. Nobody can see her. A few hours later, of course, the moment she came into the cell, cussing, filthiest language. And then, of course, after 10, 15 minutes, she ran out of breath or her energy. She calmed down. Sunlight comes. And the first reaction, I'll never forget this. She looks at me and said, Mr. Thomas. (laughs) Of course, all Indians look alike. I said, Mr. Thomas? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you and your father used to bring Jesus film to our village. We remember that. And I want you to know yesterday evening, I killed my own husband with my hand. And she had dried bloods to prove it. She said, I killed him with a vegetable knife. Been married to him for 17 years. Got sick of him because he would come home drunk and abuse me. And by the way, I'm proud of what I did. But I have a daughter. She's 12 years of age. Would your ministry take care of her? Because I know she will not be safe in the place where we live. Father's dead. I am in prison would you do that long story short yeah we were able to rescue her when i came out of jail 62 days later i was visiting the orphanage all the children came hugging they just wanted me to know that how much they miss me and they've been praying and uh, they were praying for god to release me as i was getting back into the police jeep they were taking me to my house there was this girl leaning against the church building but she got my attention. I said, to V.S. Thomas, you know V.S.? I said, V.S., who is she? He said, oh, by the way, that's the daughter of that woman who you, you met in prison. Oh. So I go to her. I said, so of course I can't mention her name to you, but I said, hello. I said, She said, hello, and she doesn't know who I am. I said, well, do you like this place? She said, sir, this is the first time I've been to school in my life. This is the first time I'm getting three meals every day. This is the first time I ever owned new clothes. I have my own bed, my own bed sheets. Oh, she bragged about everything she has now. I said, it's good. So, said, what would you like to become? She said, I don't know about if you know about me, but I want to become a policewoman because I want to make sure my father gets justice. She does not know I was in prison with her mom. I said, that's good. Hope givers, 60 years. We've never graduated anybody into police academy. Maybe this would be first one. I don't know. Make the long story short, several years later, I was preaching at a graduation. I was shaking hands with all the graduates. And here comes that lady. There's a guy behind me from Oklahoma, Rex Austin, six foot five. And I said, wow, you're graduating today. She said, yeah. And Rex, Sam, let's go. I said, no, 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 it was Rex. You don't understand this. I said, "I thought you want to become a policewoman, just as I did, but being in this orphanage has taught me how to forgive, and I have enjoyed the grace of God. What would you like to become now? She, said, I want to become a pastor's wife?" <laughs> I said, "Oh, that's pretty good. Sounds pretty nosy." I said, "Who, who is the pastor?" She said, he's number two from the front. You already shook his hand. I said, oh, I know him. He grew up in the orphanage. She said, yeah. I said, does he know that you want to marry him? He said, kind of. This was Saturday. Next Saturday, they were married. If young people, you want marriage counseling, come to India. It's one week. Let me close with this. You know what happened? The Lord has blessed the family with twins. Today, that girl and her husband with the twins that God's blessed them, they're taking care of an orphanage with 118 boys. The finger of God brought Samuel Thomas into the holding cell. The finger of God brought the murderer into the holding cell. As a result of that, the finger of God took her daughter, who is now grooming 118 boys who would be the future missionaries in India. To God be all the glory for great things he hath done. Please do not take the finger of God lightly. He's working in your heart. Don't ignore him. Because if you do, he knows how to get your attention. But before he does something to get your attention, why don't you just say to him, Lord, I give myself to you.